And uh, this morning, it is also Pastor B's birthday. Yeah. How old is Pastor B now? 81. 81. Wow. Okay, Clinton uh, might get us in trouble, yeah? I think so. Pastor B is around 81. God has been good. Um, so please, if you get a chance, just send him a text, give him a call. He and my mothers always make it their duty to call everybody else when it's their birthdays. And so we just love and appreciate them. Happy anniversary and uh, happy birthday. I think it was Josh's birthday yesterday as well, eh? Yeah, Friday. Friday. Okay, okay. Hey, you guys are busy. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 3, would you? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 and then get your pinky on Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. Please don't make the preacher feel lonely this morning. Now and again, give me an amen, a hallelujah, or come on preacher. Yeah. <laughs> Our title this morning is The Spirit Man. Everybody say The Spirit Man. The Spirit Man. And we're in Ephesians chapter 5. When you're there, please give me... Oh, sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. When you're there, please give me an amen. I always get worried about this right-hand side over here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're reading verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The word sanctify means to consecrate, to make holy, to set apart for his purpose, to free from sin. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely because God is interested and invested in the complete man. James tells us to count it all joy when faced with various trials and tribulation knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be complete and whole may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ your whole spirit soul and body turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 Amen. and we're reading verse 16 Amen. in fact let's read from verse 14 for this reason I bow my knees Paul speaking to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Everybody say inner man. Inner man. That God by his spirit and might may strengthen us in our inner man. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I came through some, some uh, mainline Christianity back in my years. And there was a song we sung whenever it came to the preaching of the word. And if you know it, you can join in. Don't let the struggling singer 
sing all by himself. Amen. <laughs> In the choir of life, it's easy to fake the words, but one day we must all sing solo before God. <laughs> Bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify thy name. Bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. Bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify thy name. Hallelujah. Amen, amen and amen. You know what? We were in prayer meeting on Tuesday and I thought for a moment Dwayne was going to steal my sermon. And he mentioned how Psalm 8 is his favorite psalm. And I was praying, Lord, don't, don't let Dwayne go there. <laughs> but it's my favorite psalm. It's a night contemplation. David's sitting at night, probably with his back on the ground, and staring into the night sky. And he says, Oh Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your name and glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained praise. Because of your enemies, you silence the avenger and enemy. When I consider the heavens, the working of your fingers, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that your mind is full of him? The son of man that you visit him. You've made him lower than the Elohim, the angels, yet you've crowned him with glory and honor and given him dominion over all the work of your hands and set all things under his feet. All the sheep and the oxen, all the beasts of the field and the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The psalmist in contemplating the vastness and the expanse of the universe and the celestial bodies that are suspended in space is naturally and reasonably led to ask the question, what is man that he is mindful of him? And so this morning I want to attempt to answer the question, what is man? The first thing we need to understand is that man is a created being. Don't let the evolutionists and scientists in their folly lead you into believing that we originated from some primordial soup 
that made its way out of the ocean onto the earth. Man is a created being. When we read the creation account, we discover that God is standing on his balcony in eternity and in his celestial voice and word of his power speaks on day one and says, let there be light. And light was formed and created. And he separated the light from the darkness. And then on day two, he speaks again in the word of his power and creates the firmament and the sky and the seas. He separates. On day three, he creates the vegetation and the plant life. And then on day four, he speaks and he creates the sun and moon and stars. And he creates night and day and sets time as a principle that governs the earth. And then on day five, he creates every living creature in the sea and every fowl in the air. And then on day six, the last day of creation, God speaks and, and creates animals. And then what God does is he comes off the porch of heaven and rolls up his sleeves and says towards the end and culmination of all his creative work, I want to make this last creation personal. So he stoops down on his knees and gets his knees dirty with the muck of the earth and picks up the slime and clay. And like a master sculptor, he fashions for himself a man out from the dirt. And the Bible tells us that he blew into the nostrils of man, the ruach of God, the breath of God. No wonder Job exclaimed and said, it was the breath of God that gave me life, the spirit of God that made me. And there at that moment when God kissed into man the breath of life, he became a compound of what was material and what was immaterial. He became a compound of what was temporal and what was spiritual and eternal. He kissed into man the breath of life and the Bible says man became a living soul. It's no wonder the philosophers tell tell us that we are not humans having a spiritual experience we are spiritual beings having a human experience and so he makes man in his image he fashions man and leads man towards the last of his creative works and says i'm leaving the best for last he made man the apex of his creation, the pinnacle of his handiwork, the object of his affection. He made man in his image and in his likeness. And there's only three references to that fact and truth and concept in the whole of the old covenant that we are made in his image. The first one at the beginning of creation. He says, let us make man in our own image. And then Adam fell and disobeyed and, and God had to rethink a plan for a godly lineage. And the Bible says that Seth was born, a son of God. And at that moment, God then said again in Genesis chapter 5, this is the list of descendants whom God has made and created in his image. The second reference, when there was a turning point 
in the history of civilization. And then God was deplored with the sin of man again, for every imagination of man was wicked, and God judged the earth in a flood. And Noah and his family were saved by the ark and came out into a new era of civilization. And God in Genesis chapter 9 then says again, he says, you shall not shed blood of any human. For if you shed blood, blood will be required of you. For I've created man in my image. The third reference. Every time God said that, it was at a critical stage and transition of human history. The most fundamental truth about who you and I are is that we are made in the image of God. You are made in the image and likeness of God. This suggests two things. Firstly, it suggests that God created us with the ability and capacity to mirror him and to represent him in the earth. We are required to be just like him. That's why he commands that you be holy, for I am holy. Be distinguished. Be set apart. Don't follow the crowd. Be a cut above the rest. Be otherworldly. That's why Jesus said, or the apostles and scriptures declare, come out from the world and be separate, says the Lord of hosts. Touch no unholy thing. The second suggestion is revealed to us in Mark chapter 12. You know, these scribes and Pharisees were always looking for a way to catch Jesus. So one day they come to him, and they say, Rabbi, Rabbi, tell me, is it right that we pay imperial tax to Caesar? And Jesus said, knowing the intentions, he said, bring me a denarii. And so they bring him a denarii, and he looks at the coin, and he gives the coin back to them, and says, whose inscription and image is on the coin? And they say, Caesar. And then Jesus makes these profound words and statement. He says, give unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. And give unto God that which belongs to God. Since the coin bears the image of Caesar, it belongs to Caesar. And since you bear the image of God, you belong to him and owe him full allegiance simply for the mere fact that you are created in his image. So you ask the question, what is man? Man is a tripart, triune being, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. <coughs> that is the whole man, body, soul, and spirit. We exist in three levels of consciousness. You have a body. And your body is your earth suit. And your body has five senses which helps you to engage and interact with the world around you. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, describes this body as a tent. 
That means it comes up one day and it must come down another day. In other words, from the dirt you came and from the dirt you must return. Our days here are numbered. The Bible says not only do we have a body, an earth suit which connects us to the world, which helps us to be world conscious, we have souls. Now the term soul is often used synonymously or interchangeably with the term spirit. But the Bible makes a clear distinction between soul and spirit. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The word of the Lord is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it's the discern of the thoughts and intents of man's heart. Your soul is the control center of your life. It's what connects your spirit to your body. Your soul is your mind, your brain, your nugget, your helmet. It's comprised of your intellect. It's comprised of your emotions. And it's comprised of your will. That's your knower, your feeler, and your decider. Your mind in the sense that you have an IQ, you have thoughts, you have an imagination, you have, you have an ability to reason and store information and calculate. Your emotions in the sense that you have temperaments. Some get more angrier than others. Some have less patience than others. Some are more compassionate. Your emotions also refer to your attitude. And your will relates to your resolve. Your ability to decide and commit your resilience. Your soul is the control center of your life. Not only do we have bodies and souls, most of us are unaware that we have and possess a spirit. Your body is world conscious. Your soul is self-conscious. But your spirit is God conscious. You ever wonder some people have a struggle worshipping? You ever wonder why some people have a struggle reading their Bible? You ever, have a, 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 ever wonder why people cannot understand the, the faith you possess and the manner in which you worship is because their spirits have not been wakened. Their spirits are no, not alive unto God. And your spirit represents the innermost part of your being. It's immaterial. It's, it's intangible. You cannot see it under a microscope. It's the seat of your conscious. And the seat of your intuition. Now and again you get a sense of your spirit. You know, like the one time we walked in KFC. I may have told you the story and I'm with Zue. I haven't been to KFC in a while. You know, haven't eaten that greasy chicken in a while. And so we're standing there in KFC. And Zue's back is faced towards the door. And we're quite some distance away from the door. And we're having a conversation, waiting for our bucket. 
and uh, and someone a couple walks into someone in hungry chair and 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 a couple walks into KFC and Zuei is unaware of that thing and she says to me I don't feel right something's wrong uh, something just feels wrong deep down inside of me and I said, oh, turn, look, you know, a couple walked in, and as they get closer, we see this girl with Illuminati tattoos, satanic tattoos all over her. How did Zue know? It was a spirit. Her spirit. This morning I woke up to a prophetic word, a message that another preacher sent to me. And it was to the T. How did he know? We have an innermost being that is God conscious, that is able to hear the voice of God, that is able to connect to God. It's the noblest part of you. Bible says, in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, it refers to God as the Father of Spirits. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 1 that the Lord has formed the human spirit inside of him. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 8 that no one has control over the grave and who has the power to retain the human spirit. As Peter was being stoned in Acts chapter 7, he looked up into heaven and he called out to God and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And as Jesus hung on the cross, suspended it, the Bible says, he cried out to God with a loud voice and he said, Father, receive my spirit. The Bible says, in Psalm 51 and verse 10, David had sinned. David is now repenting. And he said, Oh God, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a steadfast spirit. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 says, For God has set eternity in the hearts of man. If I find within myself a desire in which this world cannot satisfy, the most probable explanation is that you were made for another world. That's why Jesus, in conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he says, Nicodemus, if you're going to see the kingdom, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born of the Spirit. Your spirit must be reborn. Because when Adam fell and disobeyed God, Adam's spirit died. He was no longer able to connect with God. He hid from God. He ran away from God. He did not know what it was like to fellowship like God in the way he did before because his spirit had been marred, his spirit had died and Jesus said the only way we're going to fix this is that we revive your spirit, the spirit inside of you. That's what the Bible says in Romans 8 
and verse 16. That when we come again, when we, when we come into this experience of being born again, when we come into the faith, the Bible says, His Spirit, in Romans 8 verse 16, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit because that which is spirit is spirit and that which is flesh is flesh. The spirit relates to spirit. First Corinthians uh, chapter 2 says, for who knows the mind of man except the spirit of man? So likewise, who knows the mind of God except the spirit of God? For the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit, only the spiritual man for spiritual things are spiritually uh, related. You compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Spirit communicates with spirit because God is spirit. Jesus said this to a woman at the well, at Jacob's well in John chapter 4. She was worried about the, the protocols of worship. She was worried about the procedures and where we should worship. He said, hey, now is the time. There's coming a time when the Father seeks true worshipers and they will worship me in spirit. They will worship me from their spirits. And they will worship me in truth. Amen. For God is spirit. Yes. And those who worship him must worship him from the inmost part of their beings. From their spirit. <laughs> the spirit communicates with spirit. Proverbs 20 verse 27. The Bible says that the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Amen. In other words, the only way we can experience God, truly experiencing Him, is from our spirit. From our spirit. He can, he can only connect with the spirit inside of us. So if we've not experienced that rebirth, if we've not experienced being born of the spirit, He struggles to connect with us. And this is the point I really want to get to, is that in all our lives, we've taken the time to educate the soul. We went on, we got degrees, we've got diplomas, we've studied all our interests. We can tell you everything about the English Premier League, the history, the full rundown, we can give you the full details of, of what makes a vehicle a vehicle. Yeah. We can tell you about sports. We can tell you about movies. We can tell you about everything under the sun. Yeah. We've even prided ourselves in giving attention to our bodies. You know? And, and notice that, I, that I, I, I'm not speaking from a place of condemnation. I, I look after my body. You see those gym posts. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I try and look after my mind. I give attention to my mind. And I give attention to the mind. I, we, we study. Okay? I'm not saying it's wrong. But I'm saying we've given attention to the body. And we've given attention to our minds. But we've not given attention to the human spirit. We've neglected the human spirit. First Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging of the hair, wearing of the gold, putting on of the fine apparel. 
but rather let it be the inner person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle spirit which is precious in the sight of God. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, Paul says, we do, not, we do not lose heart for the outer man is perishing, but the inner man must be renewed day by day. I'm sorry, ma'am, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sir, but when you look in the mirror, you are dying every day. You are moving towards decay every single day. We are aging. We are aging. We are aging. The things you used to do, someone, I saw one of my gym posts, I'm lifting this, this barbell over my head and they said, hey, brother, be careful, you're no longer 16 valve. <laughs> you know? We are racing towards decay and death. But the spirit man, the spirit man can be renewed more each day. Amen. Amen. And so we have a responsibility to look after the spirit man. We have a responsibility to empower the spirit man. We have a responsibility to train and feed the human spirit inside of us. You feed your body. After the service, some of you are going to rush home because you know your mama made you a nice pot of biryani. We, we don't hesitate to train the mind and educate the mind. But I want to remind you, don't neglect the human spirit. The spirit of man is fed and empowered by the word of God. Can I say that again? The human spirit, the innermost part of our being, is empowered and fed and sustained by the Word of God. Spiritual knowledge is important to your spiritual life. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 4. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Many of us are weak in spirit because we are not fed, we are starved in spirit. And so any wind of doctrine comes and you gobble it. Anybody who can do a magic trick and raise a man from the coffin, we gobble it, we gullible. Every wind of temptation comes. The guy is just wearing cavellas and oh, your heart just boop, 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 boop. <laughs> because we've not fed the human spirit. We feed on everything else except what is spiritual. We feed on the news. We feed on the gossip. Not only have we neglected the necessary diet, but we've gobbled up a bad diet. A bad diet. Social media in itself is proof that you have time to read the Word of God. They say the average man reads over 206 texts 
on social media every day. Every day. We must give our hearts and our spirits the necessary food to grow strong in spirit. Amen. Negligence is a crime, family. Negligence is a crime. The road to hell is paved with negligence. Hebrews 2, I think verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect? If we neglect, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's not that you refuse it. It's not just that you refuse the word of God. No, 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 no. You 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 showed interest, but you've neglected the truth. We've neglected the meditation of the word. We've neglected the reading of the word. And so as a result, we've 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 committed the, a crime against our own souls and spirits. The spirit of man is empowered by the word of God. The spirit of man is also empowered by obedience to the word of God. Every time we obey the word of God, we get stronger and stronger. And Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 13, 11, he says, to him who has, more will be given. So the more you obey the word of God, the stronger you get. The more uh, you overcome temptation and trials, the stronger you get for the next attack. And you just keep on gymming those muscles, those spiritual, and you keep on gymming those muscles. And the, the more you obey the word of God, the more light and understanding you get and receive. And the stronger you become. The spirit of man is also empowered by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of man is empowered by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The benediction says, Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Because the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 16 that His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so each time you're in the presence of God, each time you're exposed to an atmosphere of God, your spirit is refreshed. Your spirit is renewed. I don't know, sometimes even the music you listen to, you just feel stirred in spirit. Sometimes you just get around certain folk and it's like, hey man, there's something different about this sister. Amen. This sister has a spark of faith. Don't undervalue place, location, climate, and exposure. What you expose yourself to as an individual. Some places just disturb your spirit. I don't know if I, I told this a few weeks ago. I hope you don't mind me telling these stories a hundred times. <laughs> but there, there was this brother who loved the Lord. Loved the Lord. And he found himself in a particular club and he called me while he's in the club and I just said do, 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 do. <laughs> and he says Bev please pray for me I'm really struggling here I don't know what I'm, I'm here glued up against the wall I feel like there's so much demonic activity around me and 
And I just, I just feel so that this darkness all over me. I said, brother, what? Where are you? He says I'm at a, at a place called Babylon. I'm like, hey, <laughs> get out there now. <laughs> There's just certain places and certain people that disturb the spirit. And so we've got to, we've got to learn to fellowship with the spirit. The spirit of man is also empowered by praying in the spirit. You got that? The spirit of man is also empowered by praying in the spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that when we pray in tongues and when we pray in the spirit, we build up ourselves. We build up ourselves. We edify ourselves. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says, Build up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So when you begin to pray in tongues and pray in the spirit, your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit is alive and your spirit is, is being quickened and your spirit is being edified. And the more you pray in the spirit, the more you build up your spirit man. That's why Paul could say to the church, I'm glad I pray in tongues more than you all. Learn to pray in the spirit. Because when you pray in the spirit, you build up and strengthen your inner man. And lastly, the spirit man is empowered when it's guarded. The spirit man is empowered when it's guarded. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of your heart flows the issues of life. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse, verse 15, uh, the writer says, let no one fall short of the grace of God. He says, let no root of bitterness spring up in you and defile many. In other words, we've got to guard our spirits from unforgiveness. We've got to guard our hearts from offense. We've got to guard our spirits from resentment. These are things, you, these are sins you don't see on the surface. These are, these are like third dimension sins, you know. You, in, the, in the tabernacle, you had the outer court, you had the inner court, and you had the holy place. These kind of, kind of issues are deep-seated. Pride and envy and, and jealousy and, 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 and all these kind of, of, of sins defile our spirit and make us bitter. And not only do they spring up and, and harm us, they defile everyone else around us. And in closing, a reminder that you are made in the image of God. You are a created being. You are a triune being. Don't neglect your spirit, man. Don't neglect that part inside of you that is God-conscious. When you go out through your day, like you plan your meals, like you plan your activities, like you plan your trips, like you plan your program in the gym, like you plan for your studies, it's exam time coming in uh, next week, family, pray for me. And oh, tomorrow, oh Lord, pray for me. Like you plan for your, for your studies and your degrees, make 
plans and preparation to empower your spirit. Amen. Amen. We're going to take up the, the communion at this time. Is that fine? Can we all stand?